1: Indeed, found no persinium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to episode 429 of our ongoing exploration of the immersive cosmos. This week on the show, we've got a doubleheader. First up, Amy Ashton and Mia Fiorella of La Jolla Playhouse's Without Walls Festival will be here to give us a preview of the fest that is headed back to the UC San Diego campus for the first time since 2015, this April 4th through 7th. That's coming up in just a little over a month. I mean, it's just coming up at the top of next month. Let's be real. Then Samantha Gorman and Danny Cannizzaro of Tenderclaws, the studio behind no pro favorites, like the under presents and virtual virtual reality are here to talk about their latest release stranger things VR, which launched on Meta's quest platform last week. Try to say platform <laughs> challenge there, Noah. Okay. I'm carrying on before we head over to all of that. I'd like to remind no pro backers of a few things they've got going on on their Patreon feeds this week. Oh yes. There's quite a lot going on over there for starters. You've got your Emmy awards ballots. That is the no proscenium audience awards. The full awards ballots are up for no pro backers only. The special Reader's Award is also live. Check the links in the show notes for both. But if you want to vote in all the categories, you gotta be a backer. If you're a backer right now, you also have access to the LA Invitational presale, LA Immersive Invitational presale. We are on the verge of getting to announce everyone who's taking part in it. We should have more on that for you next week, but right now, the pre-sale is open. That is also happening in April. The Sunday showcase is April 21st. It's going to be a fantastic time. And just added to the set of of special things for the no backers. This week is a 20% discount for Corinne Wicks Music Talks and James Lopez's The Final Seance at the 2024 Ampersand International Arts Festival in Williamsburg, Virginia. That's for you to use or share that festival is coming up towards the end of this month, March, although I'm recording this on February 29th. Uh, it's coming up at the end of this month, towards the end of this month. Uh, and we've got a 20% discount to, uh, two works from members of our immersive creative community who are there in Williamsburg, Virginia, as part of the arts festival. Uh, which was arranged by another member of our community. Thank you, Adam Stackhouse. All of that is on your Patreon feed. If you are a backer, speaking of, there are three people who are getting that this week that weren't before want to welcome three new backers to the fold. They are Amanda Berg-Wilson, Ethan Cantel and Peter Nelson. No relation. March has begun. And we are on the march to expand our backer base, convert some free members into paid backers, get some folks who are hanging out in the Discord and on the Everything Immersive uh, Facebook group to contribute to the efforts here, make the tiny number that we have go up. Because here is the truth the old media is dying in front of our eyes, and the new media is struggling to be born. Now is the time of backers. And while we've been at this for 10 years now, we're still doing it on about 3k a month in Los Angeles. That's the main source of income for me. There are folks out there with way bigger budgets who have all kinds of paid people doing things. And you know, they're not, they're, they're not managing to do a fraction of what we do With pluck, gumption, volunteer labor, and my own ability to just be like, to heck with it. (laughs) Let's do this. Imagine what happens when we have a budget. When we can commission editors to handle more and longer reviews. When we can commission writers to do deep dives into subjects and companies. When, just imagine what we do with a budget. That's part of the vision of the future we want for no pro and we hope you want that too to expand the work we already do and we know a lot of you are already full fledged backers so help spread the word let's get some converts to the cause immersive fans and creators should head over to patreon.com/nopresenium help us set the stage for the next 10 years of immersive arts and entertainment coverage and you know who does that each and every week our sustaining backers a big thanks to Samuel Mystery. Chris Wollman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Genties, Kurt Collins, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hands On, Lekker LeCool, the Minister of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. You've made this possible. Let's go even bigger. That's it for now. For me, let's get into this doubleheader. It's spring training, it's time for doubleheaders. And I'll talk to you a little bit on the back end. Joining us now are Amy Ashton and Mia Fiorella of La Jolla Playhouses Without Walls, and if these two are here, you know why. It's about to be WOW season in Southern California, with the annual Without Walls Festival returning to the campus of UC San Diego this April 4th through 7th, and when this drops, they will have just revealed the lineup for the festival, which draws artists in from all over the world to showcase work that breaks out of traditional proscenium performances, which makes WOW the perfect subject for no proscenium. Amy, Mia, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
3: Hi, Noah. How are you?
1: i hey, doing good, <laughs> Mia. Uh, sometimes when we do this, uh, we talk about this stuff, uh, we get to do it over margaritas. But here, it's coffee because it's morning and there's plenty of work to be done for the rest of this lovely Thursday. Uh Okay. Everything you're about to tell me, I'm learning in real time, which makes me very excited, right? Like, I haven't read the press release. I don't know what the heck is going on. Uh, this is the way lead times work. But before we get into the details, Amy, did I get all of that right in the intro? How did you describe WoW? Uh,
2: yes, you did get it right. I mean, for us, I think really a focus that we, really, that we intend for WoW is to lean into work that reimagines or challenges the way that audiences get to experience art and artists. So anything that takes you out of the box, takes you out of the walls, takes you out of the comfort zone, um, it can be immersive, it can be site-specific, it can be interactive, it can be new technology, it can be all sorts of things. So we really, we really just like to, to break as many rules as possible. Uh, and that's the, the, the playground that Mia and I enjoy playing.
1: Mia. I know a tricky part of your job is wrangling travel logistics which is more much more than just like oh we got to book some travel uh, it's more way more than that uh, for the performers what's the geographical range of the Wow artists this year where are they coming from
3: Well, I just want to be transparent a little bit because it's probably the number one question we get from artists is like, how how does this work? How are you guys curating the festival? And over the last couple of years, Amy and I have been working really hard to raise the profile of WOW internationally. And so what that means for us is how do we get invited to to these festivals to see what work is happening internationally? It's really important to the Playhouse and Amy and I to bring international artists here so that there's this cultural exchange. Um, There's work being done there that I think is meaningful here and vice versa. I think a long term goal is to export work internationally. So this year we're excited to have um, artists from France, the Netherlands, Taiwan. Canada, did I say France? Yes.
1: <laughs>
3: um, so yes. 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 I'm like, I'm like, wait. <laughs> there's like one more country that was supposed to be in, and you know, we we have to visa. Um, <laughs> this is the boring part of the answer. Um, visa applications and costs and all those things are a barrier. Uh, to international work. And so strategically, we are partnering with other countries and their um, priorities of making sure their artists are touring the US to help fund some of that. And as a fun fact, this year, visa costs are going up for international artists, which will make it even more expensive for for international artists to um, work in the United States. But the other piece of that is the international work we're bringing here how do we partner with other cities? We don't want artists coming into the U S one and done. Oftentimes that is a case because we're in Southern California and the festival's in April and the East coast does everything during the summer. So we, we are finding, uh, we're trying to find a, a better secure, a touring network so that our international friends can have more opportunities to, um, showcase their work.
1: And, and I want to point out here, cause it's something I didn't do in the intro and we haven't talked about wow, the shows are free. The tickets are free for the festival. That's true. This is true for what the second or is it third year of doing free? It's our second Second. year
2: of fully free.
1: Yeah. And so when Mia's talking about, you know, the, the visa costs are going up, right. That, that is being born by La Jolla Playhouse. That's being born by the sponsors of the festival. Like this, you know, it's getting harder and harder to make this stuff. And you know wow is giving it away uh which is really incredible and it means that everyone who's listening who's near southern california really has no excuse but to like try and hop on wow tickets like it costs too much a day trip to san diego is really easy it's how i often do the festival uh is is swing on down for the day uh and and just stay very late um okay speaking of that what Am I going to be buzzing about? What is the No pro audience going to be buzzing about over the Wow weekend? Uh, hit, hit start hitting us with with the goodies.
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, we do have um, some returning some returning faces. So, and certainly some folks that I think the No pro audiences are familiar with. Um, our friends at Mister and Mischief are creating a brand new piece. Um, they were last here in 2022. And uh, they created where they uh, world premiered their piece set in a uh, pirate radio station, 40 Watts to Nowhere. Um, and they will be creating a piece that's actually based on, uh, on some personal stories where um, adult audiences get the opportunity to join a uh, a kids detective agency. Uh, which is something that Andy, one of their uh, creative members, it, ha- had a personal experience with, and and is utilizing a little bit of the uh, that story and that inspiration, and their incredible uh, ability to create play and nostalgia and joy um, for adult audiences in this in this experience. So you'll join the you'll you'll you know you'll join you'll do the pledge you'll. Go out looking for clues and finding out, finding mysteries and helping to solve um, potentially some real life mysteries. So it's going to be a really um, exciting, immersive, you know, out in the world. Uh, just their brand of mischief, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that will be a, that will be a, a really, really special one.
1: Oh, that's that's going to be exciting. I mean, uh, we're big fans of the work of Mister and Mischief here. Obviously, Forty Watts from Nowhere and Escape from Gatto before that, and and I did not realize that what Andy was working on was Andy and Jeff were working on uh, was it was like a Encyclopedia Brown Hardy Boys like you know uh, scenario. Encyclopedia Brown was like maybe my absolute favorite thing to read in, in elementary school. And like, I would write little short detective fiction, like in elementary school myself. So that is a, that's a lifelong one right there. Uh, very, very and, excited. So just you know, just Andy, just know. <laughs> Coming in with high expectations. <laughs> no pressure. I'll say
2: no spoilers, but at the playtest I was given fruit snacks and it did make my heart very
1: happy. Okay, good. Good. That's that that seems really smart. Hopefully that doesn't get cut. Uh <laughs> don't cut the fruit snacks. Uh <laughs> that that's going in the permanent like immersive one oh one deck. Don't cut the fruit snacks or what else do we got what what else what what other returning favorites do we have
2: uh, our, our, one of our local companies, Blind Spot Collective, who it just does incredible work all over the city and, and touring and in schools, um, they're they back for, I think, I believe maybe their third year, mm. fourth year in a row, potentially, um, creating a piece um, that's really rooted on campus, which is really exciting. Um, they have a number of UCSD alumni in their company um, and, and in, their, in their collective who are helping to create a piece, and it's set at, at Che Cafe. And if you've been to the UCSD campus, campus over by La Jolla Playhouse in the theater district. You have seen this place. It is a remarkable spot. It, you, it has um, incredible graffiti, and not graffiti, murals, and uh, it's a spot that for years has been run by the students. It's a student organization. We, they're working directly with them um, to, to collaborate on it. They uh, have an incredible history of protest and of uh, banding together and power of the student population here. Uh, they also have awesome concerts that I always walk by on my way up to see shows at Waya Playhouse, and I'm like, hmm, can I go see that? Uh, so I'm excited to finally get a chance to kind of get into Che Cafe, and they'll have a number of different scenes, and, and it'll be a, a, an opportunity for the audience to join the movement. Um, and it's called IYKYK, or If You Know, You Know.
1: Nice, I remember. Uh, I'll cut this out if I'm wrong. I remember one of Blind Spot's pieces was the one uh, that happened in the high school in Liberty Station. You're yes. nodding, so I got that right. Good. Uh, that was like the first piece I saw of theirs, and I was so blown away by uh, by how just just smart mature design complete it was it it really it really matched the work to the space and it was also all high school students were the performers for that one and they were just doing excellent like it was it was so so good and this sounds like it might be kind of touching on some of the same some of the the same vibes uh and so that makes me really excited to see sort of the, the the college uh, campus version of, of a show like that, so yeah, really, really good. What, what other, what, what else is coming along? uh This is literally me just finding out. Like, so this is, my, this is like the reaction video version of one of when the pods. I'm like, like cool. Like, you know, Mister Mischief, Blind Spot. What else have we got? <laughs>
2: I was gonna I was gonna just highlight one more piece, and this yeah. is this something that you th- those are pieces that you'll need a reservation for. As you mentioned, everything's free, but because of because they take place, you know, with actors and the story is interactive and things like that. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a commitment, right? You want to get a, a reservation, and it has a limited amount of audiences who can who can participate in each uh, in each experience. Though, if for some reason you don't get get in, can't get a reservation. Please show up. We always are able to get in, you know, folks we fill in because this is a free festival. Um, But one of the pieces that will be, you know, we have a lot of street theater, a lot of kind of outdoor art that is available all day long for for audiences, particularly audiences who aren't necessarily plan ahead kinds. And one Mm -hmm. of the pieces, one of the pieces coming from France um, called Emergency Exit, which is from a company called Ad Hoc. Uh, this is part of their triptych that explores um, life and aging, and this is the piece that uh, that actually really explores uh, the, la- the later part of our life. And uh, the idea is that a group of folks in an assisted living home take their lunch trays to the street, and they have their own emergency exit, and they shenanigans, you know, happen amongst the crowds, and and uh, they they really celebrate life and break free, and it's a um, a really really silly fun beautiful exploration of uh kind of what is what it is to age and what it is to uh take uh take charge of that part of your life um and i think that we don't get to often see these these faces these bodies these folks in this work uh it sometimes feels like a like a young man's game. And so I'm really excited to, uh, to have that kind of a, a perspective included in, in the festival this year, especially amongst this like vibrant college campus full of those young folks
1: and are, are all the audience ugh, are, are all those artists coming over like are they are they artists of that age coming over to to perform this piece like from France? they oh, wow. sure
2: are yeah. they sure are they're traveling very far for this and uh they've been navigating the thesis system with you know which is you know their own technological nightmare so uh, it's been they've been incredible and we're really really pumped to have them here
1: very cool all right. What else do we got? <laughs> this
2: literally- should over to Mia.
1: <laughs> Mia, what? Mia, what, what? What? What do you have on deck?
2: Okay.
3: Well, I'm going to talk from the perspective of UC San Diego because it's we haven't been back on campus since 2015, and a lot has changed. Oh my good
1: to, gosh! Yeah.
3: The first two festivals, 2013 and 2015, were here on campus, and so much has changed on campus that it was like, okay, how do we infiltrate every part of campus, and we still haven't even scratched the surface, but there are some exciting artists working here. Um, Just at UCSD Theater and Dance, I mean, I'm not gonna get everybody, so um, just forgive, but Deb Stein, who originally directed and co-created The Bitter Game, I don't know if you remember that piece back in um, 2015, um, Christopher Kuhl and Deb Stein are teaching a class. This is the first time they've introduced a class to undergrads, two quarter class, Um, how to how to design this work Um, and so two of the pieces will land in the festival I asked them, you know, kind of what the official title of this class was, and they're like design and really long, but we just call it wow class. So that's amazing <laughs> that we have wow class um, in the festival. And and we're lucky because some of the folks involved with those projects are interns at the Playhouse. So there's a lot of involvement that Amy and I have, and we're seeing producers rise out of that group as well as artists. So I think for the future of the field, it's it's exciting to see this finally in motion. Um, obviously, Robert Brill is there, who, is, who had projects early festival days um, Vanessa Stalling. Um, there's so many incredible... Uh, Bobby McElver, um, who does a lot of work. So we're we're so lucky to have that, that staff, the faculty here. We're also working with the Stewart Collection. There's a piece called Fallen Star, which is a house that sits on top of the Jacobs Engineering School. Look it up. Google it. There are amazing pictures. It's by a South Korean artist, Do Ho Su. And... There, um, we're going to open Fallen Star just as an uh, activation because the house itself and, and going inside this house and the kind of the equilibrium or the offset of that is really exciting. But the, one of the UCSD theater and dance classes are setting a piece there called Fallen Stars. Um, the Mandeville Art Gallery, which is really close by, is doing a um, a piece called "Bodily Autonomy," and we're gonna. Um, it's it. There's a there's a piece of it, uh, the saliva exchange that um, will happen on Thursday evening. So you can go in and swap spit with folks. So we're excited to see how that goes. Um, we huh. also. Um. I know. I know. I mean, look, look. I don't want to get into the weeds of it, but Google it. There, all the things why we're going to swap spit and talk about what it means to give your DNA. What does that mean for the conversations around access to to that? Um, so that should be fun. We're partnering, our, our, our main partner for the festival is Art Power, and they have commissioned a piece from Princess Lockaroo that will take place on Thursday evening on at the new amphitheater stage. Across from the amphitheater stage, this is a design and innovation building. Well, this place is kind of exciting. There's four stories of innovation, starting at the basement level, to um, design makerspace to to completion of the innovation projects that people are working on. We're doing a VR piece. This is the first time in the festival. We're doing uh-huh. a VR piece origami air called Folding Futures. We are, we have, there's a PhD student um, that's doing a 10-minute VR piece, the Birch Aquarium, I um, Ash, uh, Smith and Robert uh, to me, who you know, um, are, are doing a test, a, a fish phone booth for the Birch Aquarium. So they'll be testing out that project there. So that's going to be an experimental space of, of a lot of different types of innovation. So that'll be a first for the festival. I'm sure I'm missing some other things happening on UCSD, but there really are um, incredible artists that are working here and students that are creating work. And we hope that in future years at the festival that we'll continue to showcase that work.
1: Uh, I'll have us gonna go through some more of, of the pieces in a bit, but with this year's curation sort of what's, what, did you come into it with like a, a theory because you were going to be back on campus and, and wanted to do some deliberate showcasing there and kind of lean things that way? Or did you, it, it has the, the, the assemblage sort of has it come around a theme or has it kind of come out of what you've been seeing and what's been, where where you see the art going based on what's been been popping up on your radar
2: uh, we've definitely had a lot of inspiration and a lot of conversations around the space and around ucsd the campus itself obviously like Mia mentioned the stewart collection which is just a whole slew of incredible public art public art pieces that are all over campus that are they make for perfect backgrounds for <laughs> interesting art um all the nooks and crannies and also the kind of the the reality of what a what a living what a living campus is that we, there are just gobs of students and faculty and there's an incredible amount of investment in um innovation here and that is what wow is wow is innovative art and so really trying to lean into all of the facets of this this is a much larger footprint um if you've been to the last three festivals at least this is a much larger footprint than uh liberty station or certainly the shell which is where we were last year um we're gonna so, so navigating that for us to make that something that is really um uh, accessible for audiences because um, I think it's a really exciting opportunity. People who come to the Playhouse often never get to see some of these amazing places on campus. Or there are students who, you know, live in their siloed part of campus and we can get them out and get them into into, our, into the other parts of, of this uh, incredible little mini city as it is um, uh, and really highlight some of the new developments too. Like they have the incredible Epstein Family Amphitheater, the Design Innovation Building, um places that uh, i think may not have completely been explored in these ways so we're, we're we're really excited by that and that has and then every time we walk into a new building or a new spot not only are we saying can we use your stuff can we take this over but like who is making stuff here who who is working in this world because it's not just theater and dance it's our you know it's music school It's it's all over and so finding connecting with the faculty and the students has been just, it's just been a really, a really incredible secondary moment of like something that I didn't really think about going into this. Uh, that's, I definitely think has influenced the way that we've programmed.
1: Well, and the festival's always had this, this great vein of like mixing different artistic disciplines, right? Like I know when I go to WoW, I'm going to see theatrical pieces. I'm also, I know I'm gonna see dance performance work. And then there's always like surprises, like last year when the, the collab with the symphony and that something was like completely music based and that there's there's a little bit of a tech angle to it and just this this confluence of styles and forces and already in the lineup, you know, seeing obviously some theater pieces, a, a first XR piece, VR piece. What other, what other disciplines are, are getting activated in here uh, this time out?
2: Uh, we do. We will be returning to the world of dance for sure. Um, uh, actually, one of the great tie-ins, Monica Bill Barnes, who is a UCSD alum, um, has created a show that's been touring. She's taken to- toured t- 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 around um, a few times called The Running Show, and it's a it's a, um, a piece of, of dance theater. Uh, she works with a, a colleague, Robbie, who interviews. They um, they they spend the week with thirteen. Uh, College age dancers, a, a dancer who is um, more of a senior age and then a, a young a 12 year old ballerina and bring local dancers into uh, the process and spend the whole week rehearsing with them, creating this piece together with them. And then um, doing interviews, which also includes it. So this is exploring the life of a dancer. Uh, It's called the Running Show, and it is really special piece of documentary theater in a lot of ways. Uh, And while it may be the more traditional, most traditional version of you do sit and watch this show, it's got some really, really special community ties, and it will be, it will be you know monica's return to her to her place that she's always uh you know started from so at uh, the faculty who knew her are still here there's a lot of excitement on campus about having her here um so that will definitely be there we also um are going to have some some installations some art installations we're working um, liberty station one of our other amazing partners is going to be uh, going to be sponsoring a, a piece that will be here called Reflection, which is literally just, a, a you know, a, an installation that folks can interact with. Um, it's really dynamic and beautiful and uh, really picture, you know, picture ready. So that will be a very cool, uh, not, you know, that will just be something you can play with. So we're excited that that will be kind of around for folks to experience. Um, and then, I don't know, Mia, do you want to talk about uh, 59 Acres?
3: Yeah, so um, a WOW returning artist, Marika Splint, who I know you know, Noah, um, is has created a custom piece called "59 Acres" that will is is um, that will start at La Jolla Playhouse. as an audio piece and will move through campus, and is exploring the architecture, the environment, how you see San Diego came to be, how innovation and design interacts with the environment and vice versa. As close as we are to the ocean, how does that influence innovation and design and how these things work together? She's also looking at plant life and the design of of, uh, around us in terms of like indigenous plants that are, are here or some that aren't and how that's affecting uh, campus life so that will that's a pretty exciting project um and we'll launch at the festival but we'll be here that we'll have access to it for a year oh, wow. and she did a similar project in la she did a similar project um for university of penn uh, penn state so we were excited to have that project and it's been a, it's that's been a year-long process of connecting her with interviews with scripts and with Um, architecture and design on campus and other other like experts of the history of of campus here and I mean there's there's pictures that she has that were inspired and influenced of cows that are just lined along the beach you know that's just down the hill from us and how Scripps you know Scripps you know came to be and how it the university had expanded into the sciences and innovation so it's um she she we, she's an artist we've worked with before we think she's incredible she's also a professor at ucla and also interested in the next generation of of who's creating this work and how and how we're uh, in the academic setting how we're supporting those future artists
1: the, so i imagine the 59 acres refers to like the the footprint of yes the the acreage of the, yeah. yeah so like so do you wind up on that one, uh, is is it is it something? Is sort of persistent, or is there like it's is it a timed experience where like in an hour you're going to get all that, or is it something where it's like just you know there are nodes all over the campus that break you into that that reality. It's-
3: yeah, so it's geolocated by where you are. So she's guiding you through very two specific locations on campus, um, and has a, she's designed a custom app that is helping with this geolocating as well as the content um, launched in each location around campus. And you can you can do it at any time. You show up at in front of the Potter Theater at La Jolla Playhouse download the app put your earbuds in and you and you start um it's about it's a little over a mile to walk it and listen or roll or however um you move and we're we we i'm i'm excited at the end the the end of the the, the location at the end she has chosen i think is um a an apt spot all right i won't say any more
1: yeah no don't don't that kind of discovery is is really great this is such a this is such a great great cross section of all the things that are possible in a festival like this. Is there are there any other pieces that I mean? Obviously, you've spent so much time curating all this stuff. I mean, there's there's all this stuff, but is there anything we haven't touched on yet or or?
3: Amy, there's a theme this year that we we um, uh, humans embodying animals.
2: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That you could say Scornic. that there is, there are, there are some, there is some, some, there's a few moments where you may, yes, there may be some, some animal, animal impersonation or animal costumes involved for audiences and uh, artists alike. <laughs>
1: Very cool. And, <laughs> but
2: including, I guess I should say, including, and, and you'll probably see many times around um, Corpus, which is another company that is returning to us from Canada. Um, uh, after, they've had many, they've, they've flock the flyers here on campus, they did La Moule, uh, at Liberty Station, and we're bringing their piece, Les Moutons. Uh, to the festival, which um, is a, a, a uh, physical theater piece where the their company members embody sheep, and uh, there's a shepherd, and uh, there's a sheep pen, and and there are all of the ways you might assume you could interact with the sheep are are there, uh, and and it'll be again, you won't be able to miss it if you're if you're over at Ravel Plaza with us, um, it'll be pretty pretty remarkable there. It's what it's pretty funny. I, every time I see a picture or a video, I I just can't help but smile. So I'm
1: really excited. Uh, I I imagine we may see some some children cheering actors uh, at this point. <laughs> 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 it sounds it sounds like a thing that's going to happen. So all right, well, um, anything else about this this year's festival that that the the Nopra audience should know about? Because I think you made a pretty strong case uh, for folks to to come on down and check it out. Uh, so far, we will but...
2: have. We've really touched on a lot of daytime stuff. We will have some really cool evening perf, evening evening options. There will be puppets. There will be all of the things that you kind of think of when you think of it... wow, <laughs> silent disco. We we're, like, we're going to have a new spin on our silent disco this year that we're we're still ironing out. But um, but uh, there will be some some really uh, cool opportunities. So definitely check out the website uh, to see there are some of those evening activities only happen one night. So make sure you okay. take a look at what you're interested in seeing and, and uh, they're very accessible, but, um, to yeah, that So just check out the website. We, I think last time I counted, we were up to like 25 experiences or whatever, however you want to, how I'm calling them experiences, uh, as a nice umbrella term. So there is so much very family friendly, adult friendly, really something for everybody so just check it out and dive in it can be a little overwhelming so give yourself some time
3: and, I'll, and I'll, I'll just add that um, the projects are t- anywhere from 10 minutes to 75 minutes. Um, and because you're crossing campus, you know, give yourself time to get to things. So when you're looking at it, there's sort of like three zones that we're working in and we'll be, we'll be playing in, I should say. But discover something in all three of those zones. There are unique things happening in each place. And um, you definitely can get a full day of of programming at no cost to you uh to uh, to enjoy all things wow
1: fantastic well mia amy thank you both for hopping in and telling the crowd what's going on and i will look forward to seeing you and seeing the listeners at wow this year
2: thanks so much noah i'm so excited thank you noah
1: Joining us now are Samantha Gorman and Danny Canazaro of Tender Clause, the studio behind No Pro favorites like The Under Presents and Virtual Virtual Reality. They're here to talk about their latest release, Stranger Things VR, which invites players to take on the role of series big bad Vecna and get a whole new perspective on the hit Netflix show. Sam, Danny, thanks for joining us on the show today.
0: Thanks for being here. We're excited to
1: talk about the game it's it's uh it's fun sam's up in santa cruz danny you're you're still here in la
4: yeah i've been uh been doing the drive up and down the the coast a lot
1: oh oh my weekly
4: at the moment yeah
1: oh my goodness wow i know that drive real real well um okay so that's that's to let everyone know where we're at that's the one off book thing right now um let's get into this this is a huge release for you guys in terms of like uh, you've never. I've never seen you guys get to play with a big piece of IP like this before. So it's kind of exciting uh, to to watch sort of family friends play in big big sandboxes. What story does the game explore in the Stranger Things universe, and how does it fit in with what we know from the show?
0: Yeah, um, and we'll probably talk more about this. But we had a lot of you know context from the show, and we definitely wanted to do something that was like a love letter and felt resonant with the show um it's generally a story about the transformation of henry into vecna and creation the creation of the mind flayer um there are themes of um what makes a monster as well as like who's an outsider and outsider status and found family throughout the throughout the game
4: and i think positioning wise it most of the game takes place in the timeline kind of over seasons one through four of the show. And it shows events you might've seen in the show from a different ex- perspective, or it'll take some small moments from the show and expand them into kind of like larger chapters in the game.
1: I was, I was really struck by how we were plunged right into the aesthetic and and like right from, right from the title screen. And then that carried on into the the first sort of core sequence of the game. Uh, it was just, okay, boom, we're, we're in Stranger Things and we know exactly where in Stranger Things we are. That was super impressive. Who, who pitched whom? Like how did this come together? Who pitched whom I'm making this all from the point of view of, of Henry slash Vecna? Like, like chicken and egg time here.
4: So it actually started and we, our first pitch for the game uh, happened before season four had come out, we had no access to season four. And we were pitching on the idea that we wanted to create a VR game that took place mostly in the mind spaces of the characters in the memories in the dreams. Uh, Eleven has those sequences throughout the first three seasons where she's telepathically kind of projecting herself into the void. And we're just, as you know, from our past projects, these are the spaces we like to work. And we like to work in these kind of like uh, impossible um poetic spaces and think vr does a really good job of that and so we pitched them uh, a game that was mostly in the minds and kind of of the characters itself and then i think as season four started coming out as we started getting the um starting talking with them and getting the scripts and stuff they were also thinking that direction the big bad villain ended up being a character whose main power was the ability to get inside and corrupt memories and uh, so, I think there's just a lot of kind of synergy with like where we were thinking would make a good experience and what the direction they're taking the show.
0: And we definitely, um when we were, you know, a- approached about it, we definitely felt like there was a synergy between this idea of this, this definitely character study, more emotional, you know, portrait of like a character. And the, um, when we were approached, we felt there was synergy with. The, the Netflix team in particular in this wanting to have more of a like a narrative you know study a little bit of the characters and this kind of emotional approach to um, the the character study of being in, inside a character but we were also really interested in not wanting to just simply like retread you know gra- like ground exactly or like shows it's not like we were really aiming for the type of work that we do to just like you are L and you're like you know Um, battling demo dogs left and right but we wanted to like go into a place that felt more expansive and that like our creativity could supplement the show and help like as danny was talking about um lay like seeds for ideas of what could what beckon it could be up to in the background
1: you've kind of answered a bit of this so far uh about what the design brief for going into the game was but i guess then you started with this idea of wanting to go into the minds of the characters, and then they had the they you know you got the season four material and saw that like Vecna was part of that. How did then the brief then evolve at that point and start to focus down?
4: The kind of the vertical slice, the first part of the game that we actually started like really building out and prototyping out, uh, mechanic wise and uh, narrative wise, and figuring out the pacing is kind of chapters one and two from the the game. Chapters one, if you play it, is you being led by Dr. Brenner through kind of a series of uh, these exercises, and it it really nicely puts you as the player kind of like as a subject in Hawken's lab, um, which helps with the tutorialization because you have the Brenner character like guiding you through it. And so we knew that there was gonna be these moments that um, were very much uh, narrative-driven, guided by by Dr. Brenner. And then um, once we started learning more about Vecna, and how important he was going to be to the season as a whole, uh, it really felt like an opportunity for us to expand and not just recreate the the show. We didn't want to just recreate the show. And we also didn't want to just do a story that was completely disconnected. But what we felt the game could really provide is um, a different perspective on a lot of what had already happened in seasons one, two, three, four. And so once we knew that. Uh, we were going to have the player inhabiting Vecna a lot, that started leading, leading to specific mechanics, such as like vine walking, or there's the iconic moment in the show where Vecna pulls himself up in the attic and goes into his own mind palace. And We immediately knew that that was going to be a beat that we wanted to include to let the player like also use the vines to pull himself up and to go into that that red mind space as Vecna.
0: I think our process too, it just is the way it's always been in our studio is so iterative in terms of, it's not like there's a script and then from that comes like the idea for the mechanics, or it's not like uh, we you know, prototype and then we create a script from that. Um, there's themes that like kind of resonate like are resonant or like I- inspiring, like they're um, thinking about the void and like the idea of like memory space and haunting and inhabiting memories and could lead to different forms of like, okay, well, You know how exactly is that represented in some of the characters minds which then can lead to some sort of mechanics of um for instance like in chapter three you know you're um you're running from from beckna through these different slides in a a um one of the 3d stereoscopic you know things in the 80s that you could press the button and switch different slides and thinking about like um pushing vr as a medium forward as well at the same time and what kind of lo- like like locomotion or ways of navigating could be interesting within the conceptual frame of the character and the event that was happening
1: i i love the the viewfinder viewmaster moment because it's it's also resonant with uh virtual virtual reality so it felt like a real like the aesthetic of stranger things meets the aesthetic of of tender claws like you know in a perfect venn diagram overlap and that that and that the chapters have different mechanics and different modalities and depending on what point of view you're in you're interacting with the world in a different way and but it's also in a way that's really clean because it's in that chapter format so like this this kind of like rethinking and mulling over and and kind of not just looking at the world in the game from a different perspective but but you know acting through different lenses literally through different lenses multiple times um you got to work not only with some of the material from the show in terms of the audio, but actually with the show's talent, like Jamie Campbell Bauer, who plays Vecna, voices Vecna for the game. What did that mean for y'all as a team to have, like, him, to have, like, Matthew Modine, who, of course, is, you know, self kind of an icon of the 80s, like be part of your actual process this time. Cause you work you've worked with a lot of actors over the years. That's been one of the the joys about uh Tender Claus's work. And here here's some some folks with some megawattage.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean we definitely wanted um in our game in particular, Brenner and Henry and this sort of uh Eldritch horror version of you know Brenner is like that the hearts of like driving the the momentum forward. And it was really um, important to us and really actually meaningful and special to be able to have the actors who had brought those characters and embodied those roles to life, um, represent them in the game and to be able to work with them. Um, Yeah, I've I've directed, um, I really enjoy working with actors and I know I've I've directed a, a few before and there's always a really special moment when you're in the room with someone and you're hearing your lines or the lines of your team iterated through their voice and it's becoming real to you and it's becoming you know you're like oh you can feel it in your your body or your feet the vibrations of like that moment and in particular for me um working with um matthew medin is really lovely and they're like both like really game and really present and really supportive of like our ideas um but, like, the, the special moment in particular was, um, I didn't realize that Jamie Kamelbauer's voice, he's doing a lot of that from Henry to Vecna and back again just naturally. And to be in the room with that presence is, like, it was really astounding.
1: What do you mean, like, he's doing it now? Nat- so, like, he's he's going through transitions in the vocal booth as he's moving from, from voice to voice?
0: Yeah, so he he's able to capture those characters and like move between those voices just on the spot. Um, and, you know, and pretty, pretty seamlessly. And then you, when you're working with, you know, actors, um, and they're, it's like, especially embodying the presence of the character and like their voice and presence can change and to see that kind of that ability to flicker between those two roles was, um, you know, really, really amazing, and exciting. And, uh, Matthew Modine also is similar in that he, um, is voicing you know, the Brenner of like um, Henry's memories and then this sort of, um, not to give it too much spoilers, but this uh, almost manifestation of this this haunting version of, of, of Brenner that like alternates between being um, more grounded as the doctor and this sort of a little bit of a more wispy or echoey kind of character. Danny, okay. is there something you want to add?
4: No, I mean, it, yeah, I, I think, we were really excited when uh we were able to to work with them and i think that goes to uh a little bit like what you were hinting at before that this is uh the first time as a studio we're a pretty small studio still and so like uh getting to be in that bigger sandbox where there is um is uh like a lot of built-in fans and actors and people that already know these characters kind of inside and out and so it's exciting to like bring them in and like have their knowledge kind of help uh, enhance the the game we're working on,
1: and also you kind of get to be on on the other side as well, like get get into the process and sort of see how how the sausage is being made for for that show uh, in, in a way that like not a lot of people who aren't working on that show get get to do. That's got to be also a bit fascinating. So our listeners are fairly familiar with both Stranger Things, uh, you know, in large part because there's been immersive activations of it, a few of them now, and with Tender Clause's work. How do you think this game shows how those two fit together? I kind of talked a little bit about that with the with the Viewmaster moment, but where why was this such a why is this like a good fit for you guys?
4: Yeah, I think I think we um I think we found as we were working on it, more and more spaces where there was uh, interesting overlap with past projects we'd done or uh, ideas that we'd been working with. Like You mentioned VVR kind of overlapping with the the view finder and this kind of like uh, nostalgic look back at technology and 80s. um, And so that was something we we leaned to there. We also leaned into it in the MR portion of the game where you're wearing this kind of like power glove-ish kind of like piece of tech and it's another moment where we get to kind of play with you being in VR and like simultaneously using a older piece of equipment but then also narratively just the the setting of the show being in uh, inside memories and nested realities was like kind of a, a thing that was a good fit for um, the types of stories we like to tell where it's maybe a little less about like branching narratives where you're making these big decisions into the plot and a little bit more where you as a player are exploring and digging deeper into the psyches of a character or specific kind of like uh, interest-driven beats
0: yeah i think the idea of digging into psyches is something that's always interested in us and kind of drew us to um you know the, the show and in particular like as we learned more and more about season four um and for me i would also say that I think we both um, and the entire studio felt like there was when you're making something like this, um, especially if it's your first large IP, you know, you don't 100% know what to expect. But I felt like our partnerships and our relationships are also really supportive of us as individual artists. And um, yeah, and we just also really respect and trust like the the show and the the people who are on the duffer brothers and everyone who's behind the show and uh the canon so it felt like a there was some natural overlaps just in the process
1: yeah from, from from this side of things getting to play it and and knowing the show fairly well it really does does feel like a good merger of both like it feels kind of kind of obvious that if anyone was going to make a stranger things game it would it would be y'all. Even when the, it was announced, it was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." Of course, it would be them. And then, and then, and then here we are climbing around on vines and corrupting minds and using view masters to see things and just and the shifting perspectives and 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 getting to there's so many things that are like you know it's like oh yeah this feels like this moment and like the underpresents you know like getting to like see the world through this perspective and, and just all of that grammar of storytelling you've developed over you know, what, half a decade now, applied to this, it just, it resonates both mechanically and thematically. And that's always exciting to see when when those two things hit together. Like, that's that's the heart of gaming uh, for me anyway. What do you both feel like you learned on this one? I mean, this is a rather large stage and like, you know, it, it's, it's, when we're talking, it's been out for a day out into the world. So I'm sure there's going to be more lessons, but what what do you feel like you've learned so far in this process?
4: I think for me particularly, uh, I tend to learn in the making process. I, I have more trouble distilling it down into like takeaway kind of like bullet points. But with each of these projects that we take on, we try and do something that's a little bit outside our comfort zone, and use that act of working and creating um, to. Find interesting novel uses of the technology. What you just said uh, is really exciting to me. That you felt like the mechanics and the storytelling were kind of like uh, sympathetically helping each other throughout the experience. And so I think one a couple of the bigger new things for us on this project were um, working inside this bigger IP universe, the, this thing that already has a ton of existing lore, and that was an interesting challenge and a, something we haven't done in the past. And so that was. Uh, creatively inspiring constraints are something we really like at tender clause and so like having that framework was really interesting. And then um uh, on the MR side we have started to get really interested um, as a studio with like playing around with hand tracking and uh, there's a lot of challenges related to hand tracking and it still feels like that side of things and the mixed reality is far earlier um in terms of like being established than like VR is at this point. So We collaborated with Float um, on this project. Uh, You might know Kate Parsons and Ben Vance did Irrational Exuberance, which was an amazing early VR piece. And we've been wanting to work with them on a kind of like project for a while. And so getting to work with them and try and like uh, push forward some of the MR things just a little bit, just our our little contribution, because it's a small segment of the game. But um, that was really exciting for this project. Yeah, um, getting, you know,
0: i mean. It was a really great experience working with them. I was also, um, for me, you know, I had done um, from VVR on a bunch of different forms of dialogue and, you know, writing for Interact Media and design for Interact Media, but I'd never um, been, you know, given the sandbox to, like, play within. And, you know, I wanted to really do that, you know, justice. So that, I think, was one of the things that at least drew me to this project is the challenge of, like, okay, as a writer, like, can I inhabit this world? Can I, like, you know, think about the tone and, you know, and um, and get it? And um, my co-writer, um, sorry, uh, co of lead, um, Bria Smith, and I spent a lot of time, like, uh, e- even as the project was in developed the first two years, really digging into the world and, like, trying to visualize and inhabit and consume, you know, any sort of media we could in reference to the, the um, IP. And... Uh, there was a lot of trust. I think in the the writing group, um, it was very small. Zalowier Nelson and Joe Wecher, um, one is a, a game writer and his other playwright, and we were fortunate to have as sort of an advisor, um, Paul Dickner, who's a writer on the series, and it was just a lot of trust in terms of like the directions that we wanted to like try to drill into, um, and that was exciting because it can be intimidating but somehow the structure made it feel like really natural and not not um foreboding i guess for the fighting team
1: well i think it's on the story side and and on on the the interactivity side i think this has really paid off this feels like a real natural expansion of the stranger things universe and it's kind of been which has been kind of remarkable, like uh, Netflix has done a, a really good job as it, it it spiders out into these different immersive forms and to now have the virtual reality version uh, of a story set in, in that world. And, and one that feels more of a piece than a lot of other ancillary material that's been developed for it. Uh, like This feels like a, a, a real and true Stranger Things story. So congratulations to you both for that. and you know, congratulations on getting it out there. So thank you both for being on the show. Thanks. Thank you so much. Once again, I want to thank Amy and Mia and Samantha and Danny for being our guests on the show this week. Check the show notes for all the pertinent information. It's always fun to have the theater folks and the VR folks in the same episode. And look at it. Uh, right now, uh, this is like, we're like 58 minutes and 50 seconds in. So it's not even like, you know, an ultra long episode. You also might notice, um, uh, that at least this part of the show, uh, the, the microphones sounding kind of nice and clean and, you know, good. It's not some new software. No, it's a replacement Yeti, uh, the old Yeti. Which served us for, I don't know, how long did you serve us for? I'm holding it right now. Uh like eight years? Um, it just really started to uh to die on us. Uh the the interview with Risa last week, uh it, it 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 was really starting to give up the ghost. So over the weekend I went to Best Buy and I picked up a Yeti X. Don't buy a Yeti X. Uh Yeti X's, even though they have a headphone jack on them just like the Yeti does. Uh, it's not true live monitoring. And if you've been talking to microphones for a living for say three decades, and, uh, you have something that looks like it should be live monitoring, but isn't live monitoring, it just might drive you totally crazy, which is what happened during the key of dreams interview, which is coming up Uh, Later this month, you can find out more about the key of dreams uh, in the recent coming soon that we had on the site Uh, And uh, yeah, I think those people think that I completely have no idea what I'm doing because that uh, That Yeti X was driving me really bonkers and it's a shame because um, There's a lot of features on it that that are good and made a lot of sense and some onboard monitoring You know like meter levels and it was all sleek and black and you know you know, got my Batman on, but, um, yeah, no, the older model that is less expensive is actually the better tool who to thunk it. Everybody, uh, the gal at Best Buy <laughs> literally was like, yeah, it's usually the case. The older model, older models, usually better, uh, which I guess is good for me. Uh, I'm the older model at this point. Um, indeed, there's lots of new kids on the block these days. Uh, but we've been here serving you for a decade now. And, uh, honestly, Uh, we want to go bigger. So, uh, absolutely sincere. Um, I know everyone who's listening right now is almost certainly a backer. Uh, if by the odd chance you're like a lapsed backer or something, it, it really significantly makes a difference. Um, if you are a backer, please don't take this as a, you know, please give more money. We want more backers. We want more people actively participating and. Uh, part of that active participation is help spread the word. The call sheet is great for that. The rundowns each week when there's something interesting is great for that. The coming soon's. if you find work that sounds interesting, if you saw something or read about something and said, Ooh, I want to go to that, you know, let's get people knowing about the good work. Like everyone knows about the Willy Wonka thing this week, right? Like the terrible, no good. It's very sad, made children cry, Willy Wonka thing in Glasgow. It made international headlines. Everybody knows about it now. The whole world knows about it now. What they don't know about is all the awesome work we've been telling everybody about for 10 years because people love to share the depressing stuff and no one likes to share the happy stuff. I'm guilty of this too, but you have so much power. And we put all this stuff out there specifically to help you do just that. And part about making that noise are the audience awards, which are coming up. If you are a backer, do check your Patreon feed, get your ballot, vote. A shockingly low number of people have voted so far, which is frankly an embarrassment. Uh, please let's make this real and good. And if you're not a backer, think about becoming a backer so you can vote in all the categories, but. There's also the special reader award, which is open to everybody. It means so much when we see you sharing the work, because it means that that tide, that, you know, that, that tide, everyone talks about the rising tide that raises all boats, right? You are the tide. We're the water, but you are the tide. So let's rise. All right. That's it. That's it. Fun place to end it. This show is brought to you by a whole lot of people who work very, very hard uh, and who have also put in a lot of effort over the years. Uh, The associate producer of this show is Parker Sella. Music for No Procetium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special shout out to the entire No Pro editorial staff who do all of this because they love it. And indeed, one day, I hope that I get to remunerate them in actual cash and not just kudos. Another special thanks to Siobhan Lachlan who voices our intro. And this podcast, all the bits and bobs and whatnot, and all the flubs and the bad edits, well, that's my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you with the show.